Today, we're sitting down with the co-founder and creative director of Awareness Strategies, Michelle Nedlek. In this conversation, we talk about her book, The Business Ownership Mindset, and the four S's, strategy, systems, support, and mindset. Rich, we also covered in this conversation many other things I think our entrepreneurs are going to be very interested in. One of the things is, uh, in addition to that, the four phases of business, and she is a big book recommender. We even are able to snag a couple of her favorite book recommendations for entrepreneurs. Here is Michelle Nedlek. Michelle, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Excited to talk with you today. You're a serial entrepreneur, probably the definition of a serial entrepreneur from your from your background and bio, but also you help entrepreneurs double their profits and revenue. And you got my attention by that line alone. Can you please tell us a little bit about what you're doing today? Absolutely. So I am the co-founder of our company, Awareness Strategies, and I am acting as the creative director of it, which means I get to go out and play and podcast and all sorts of fun things. And meanwhile, my partners get to stay back and do all the real work, which is um, digital marketing tech done for you. So we not only do help companies to be able to strategize what they're doing in their digital marketing realm, but also to make sure that it's done. So we have a team of techs that does the work for them, ensuring that all the systems are set up properly, people are getting the right links, the data is going into the right places, and people aren't having to do a whole bunch of manual work for it. So when it comes to profit and revenue, that is our uh, happy place. We love making sure that people are profitable and creating more revenue. And a lot of times it's just because they have either the wrong systems in place or they're just not using their systems right, or there's kind of things that they can be doing, especially in the world of marketing, that can help to either decrease their expenses, increase their uh, profit margin, whether that's pricing or something else, uh, getting more clients, all sorts of fun ways of being able to do that. Okay, awesome. And you're also an international best-selling author. I am. It's the business ownership mindset. Uh So I have a podcast called the business ownership podcast, and it's all about helping business owners to become or entrepreneurs, I guess, to, to move into that new level of business ownership, whereby they're creating the freedom, they're having teams, they're creating the business that they want to be able to create. And it takes a different kind of wherewithal to be able to do that. But it does all start with awareness strategies, both mentally, physically, and in the realm of marketing. Okay, awesome. So let's put marketing just aside for a second. Yep. Um, I saw the four S's and I was intrigued by them. Uh, and I believe this is something you talk about in your book. So please correct me if that's not correct. But strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. So if we talk, take marketing again, push that to the side. Let's just talk about business ownership in general. Can you talk to us a little bit about those four S's? Absolutely. I love talking about those four S's because when it comes to, like I said, building a business that's self-supporting, you need to have, it has to start off with a strategy. If you don't have a strategy to do that, we see it time and time again when entrepreneurs are in business for four and five years and they're struggling, they're stuck, they're they're not getting where they want to go. They're like, I thought this was going to be easier. <laughs> and it's often true. It can be a lot easier, but it starts with the strategy. Where do you really want to go? What do you really want to create? And getting some support in understanding how you can create that just from a simple plan on paper first. Then we move into the systems of what systems need to be in place in order for that to be able to happen. And systems are everything from the paper trails you leave to the technology that you set up. It's 
everything where there's an interaction in your business. And that may seem a little overwhelming to some people, but they're actually doing a lot more systems than they need to. <laughs> we actually want to hone that in. Second of all, they're going to need some support. Or third of all, they're going to need some support in that realm. And that can be the people that they're hiring. It can be the people that they're contracting out to. It can be the support system, like coaches and things like that, that they have. But you need to have people. Nobody creates a million-dollar business or more without it, certainly not an independent business without it. And then finally, the mindset is you need to wrap your head around all of this because some people just listening to me, their head just went poof. So if that's the case, working with us is going to take them to a whole new level of poofdom. And we want to make sure that we can keep them contained as much as possible, having fun. And and then, of course, it's become cyclical that you're always working on these four elements. And that's how you move into the scaling setup of your business. And that was the focus of that. Now, to exit your business, there's a few other things that have to be taken into account, uh, but we can certainly talk about those too. Okay. So if, if I had a visual diagram of the four S's, right, it's strategy goes to systems, goes to support, goes to mindset, and it just kind of keeps repeating, you know, rinse and repeat those four S's over and over and over again. Um, and, and I'd like to, to maybe just take a second to dive a little bit more into those. And I'm going to keep, again, systems a little bit to the side for a second. I think that's going to yeah. come back in further conversation. You know, I understand strategy. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, depending on what your business, what you're trying to do, your strategy is going to dictate that. And I definitely understand you have to have this. Or you, if you don't, uh, what I think you're saying, and the word I love is the messy middle. You get caught in that messy middle. You don't really know what you're doing or why you're there or where you're going, right? So I, I get that. A lot of people get strategy confused with tactics. They mm. think if they have a string of tactics, that that's their strategy. And it's true. It, yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's a bad one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we want to do is when we're strategizing, just so that the people listening to this, because a lot of times people just go, oh, okay, get it. Strategy is knowing where you are, knowing the end game and knowing how to get from A to B in the fastest, simplest, most economical form. And it's brainstorming what that actually looks like so that you can then put the tactics in place to be able to implement that. And then, of course, you know, the tasks of who does what, when, where, why, how. Yeah. Okay. perfect. That's great. And certainly, yeah. How do you get from point A to point B where you're going? I'm, I'm curious. When you work with entrepreneurs on their strategy, uh, how long of a time frame are you working with them on? Or is it really ultimately, why did you start this business? <laughs> ultimately, it's why did you start this business? And sometimes in a discovery call, we can work on it in half an hour mm-hmm. and, and completely blow people's minds that in that half hour, they can create something that they wanted to, but never thought was possible. So it can happen super quickly. And with our ongoing clients, it happens all the time. So we're constantly looking at, okay, why are you doing a three-day event? Why do you want to market that way? Why do you want to put that picture on the website? Is this fitting into our strategy for where we want to go with this or not? And some people think that that's kind of weird that why would you care about an image on your website? It's like, well, because it has everything to do with who you're attracting, how you're attracting them, (laughs) whether or not they're getting attracted in the right way. What are the pain points a business might experience that would say it needs systems? Well, one, all businesses need systems. So a lot of times people will think of technological systems. So say, for example, somebody has a coaching program and they just want to have, you know, 10 clients a year at 10 grand a piece. I want to work, you know, maybe 20 hours a week. That's awesome. 
that's a fantastic business model. That works. And you have systems in place, but all you need is a cell phone and a, and a merchant account, really, to be able to make that work. Then you get the special kind of crazies like me that go, oh, I want to have 50 employees. Who am I, what are we going to do this? And when somebody has that kind of a vision, you need the right systems in place from the get-go because otherwise you're, you're going to have this calamity of change all the way to, along, right? Going back to the nobody really likes to have change in place, but it has to happen at some point. If we can mitigate as much of that headache as possible and start with the end in mind, that helps immensely. And I think I captured uh, words from you when you were first walking through the four. On systems, you said everything where there's an interaction. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. So when we, well, when we're in business and it doesn't matter who or how, so I'm going to simplify it back down to the solopreneur. And then of course, if you have 200 employees, the same thing's happening with each one of them. But as a solopreneur, I'm going out and I'm, I'm having to make some sort of connection somehow, some way. So I might phone somebody. Well, what does that look like? Am I going to my cell phone and calling the number? Do I have the list on my computer somewhere? Is it in my outlook? Like, where is that number? How do I go there? And by understanding just those simple tasks that we do, we start to understand what systems need to be in place to be able to do that. So for example, if I have a team of salespeople and they want their contacts on their phone because they're not carrying around a laptop, they're not doing all the stuff that they used to do, then I need to ensure that the data is integrated with their cell phone that is also integrated with my massive CRM that the entire company is having access to. But I don't want to slow down his phone. So I got to make sure that the contacts that they have on their phone is the ones that they need, not the ones that the entire company is using. And when they add somebody to their phone, then it goes into the major database and that that, that information can sync. And that becomes a, <laughs> like you're going, who thinks of this? Is there a, an owner on the planet that's actually thinking about how many contacts the salespeople have on their phones? They should be mm. because it's paramount to their business. Let's, uh, let's move on to support. Tell me about the, the overhead concept of support and then ultimately how your company helps with it. Well, overall, support can be anything. So when, again, we'll come back to the solopreneur starting in business, they're doing a bunch of stuff and it seems to be working great. But in order to be able to get more clients, get more leads, they're looking at it like, mm, I'm going to have to double what I do. I'm already working 60, 80 hours a week. I'm not going to work 120, 160 hours a week. So they're looking at bringing somebody on. Oftentimes what they'll do is look at how do I get stuff off my plate? And you're starting to figure out how to eliminate tasks that you don't want to do, eliminate tasks that you should no longer be doing, or how to duplicate yourself so that when you're having the exact same conversation three times or more, as my father used to say, once is an accident, twice is a mistake, three times it's a habit. You start getting in the habit of answering the same question. You want to either write it down so that you can cut and paste. You want to take a video of it so that you can send that video out. You want to have some way that you're not taking all of that time to do the exact same thing over and over again. You want to be creative. You want to be um, doing the interesting things you do. So anytime you have that connection with another task, with another person, with another anything, 
you want to look at how that paper trail flows, how that data flows, how that communication flows, whatever it might be. Yeah. How does support connect then to state of mind? Absolutely. Well, if you've ever started a business on your own and you've ever had to go, okay, here's my baby and I want you to take care of it, but I want you to take care of it the way I take care of it. And we oftentimes will get into this mess of nobody can do it the way I do it. My audience wants me and only me. I'm babysitting my staff. Why do I have to deal with these problems? Why don't they just know things the way I do? All of this stuff is mindset. It's got nothing to do with the reality of what they're capable of doing or the jobs that they want to do or the skill sets that they're willing to learn. It's all about the entrepreneur and where things are going. And when people realize that if there's a problem in their business, it usually has something to do with the way the the Top Gun is thinking. I think it's a phenomenon that we should be talking about. Um, The idea that the amount of times you've heard, Rich, you've heard, and I've heard an entrepreneur say, quote, exactly what you just said. I mean, I've heard it exactly the way you said it. (laughs) Nobody can do it the way I do. My team just doesn't understand. I, I... I can't, I, for whatever reason, like no one here can really do it the way I did it. And I guess like, I just got to do it myself if I'm going to get it done right and so on and so forth. I agree it's mindset. There's no question it's mindset. But what in their mind needs to shift and maybe what in their strategy and systems and support needs to shift in order for them to get out of that mindset loop? Because I've found, and I don't know if you guys have found the same thing, even though I tell them it's their mindset and it doesn't change three months later, they're saying the same thing over and over again, and they can't get themselves out of the weeds of their business. How do you work with entrepreneurs to help them through that? Absolutely. Well, I used to help entrepreneurs a lot through coaching. Now I just send them to books. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> being able to first off, understand that there is a mindset to being an entrepreneur. So backing up the bus, going back to the book, and understanding the mindset I talk about, there's a few stages in life that we go through. First off, we start off as a consumer. We are just, we're eating, we're drinking, we're taking stuff from the universe, bringing it in. We've got to do that. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Life is good. At some point, some of us get to, it's like, hey, if I had more money, I might be able to buy more things that I want or have more access to the services, the places, whatever it is that they want to go to. Money makes the world go round. And when we understand that money is simply a exchange of value, I value this thing this much. Therefore, I'm willing to give you this many things in order to get that much back from you. That's all it is. So if I'm going, hey, I'm creative, I could do something, I could get a paper run, I could sell lemonade, I could, you know, whatever, get a job. Then we go and do that and make some money. Usually for the masses, they go out and get a job. So now we're getting money. We have this agreement. I will do X amount of work and you will pay me X amount of money. And at the end of the day, I get to get out of here, go spend my money and we're all happy. That works for so long. And it has a certain rules to the game that create success. The rules of the game are do what I ask you to do and do it the way I ask you to do it. (laughs) We're both happy. And And then eventually we get to the point where, hey, maybe we're really good at that and we can move into management. Somebody recognizes us and goes, hey, you are the best at this. I want you to teach other people how to do it, which, by the way, is a really bad idea, but that's how it usually goes down. (laughs) Or 
they go, hey, I'm not really catching on to this, but I can see where the systems could be easier. I can see how it could be possible. Move me into management and I'll get these guys working better, harder, faster for you. And we get promoted into management. Rules of the game in management are slightly different, but still very familiar because you still um, have to do what somebody above you tells you to do it in a way that they're telling you to do it with a little bit of creativity and get that result. And then we get to a special kind of crazy where somebody goes, hey, I think I want to be in commission sales because then I can put more effort, more brain power, more creativity into this, make more money in a shorter period of time. And I'm not having to exchange hours for money. Awesome. And a whole bunch of rules that go along with that. And the rules of the game of success change, right? What got you to be fantastic and amazing as an employee or as a manager will not work as a salesperson. Then we get the real special kind of crazy. We're going, hey, I think I'll start my own company. This sounds fantastic. I can totally do this. If these guys can do it, I can definitely do it. So then we go out and we start our own company. We're doing our thing. Now the rules of the game are completely on their head. Nothing makes sense because there's nobody to tell you what to do except for your customers. And you are dead in the water if you do what your customers ask you to do. There are so many things that change. The conversations change. The way that we uh, create things changes. The way that everything happens is different. If you try and run a business the same way you were successful in management, you'll be dead in the water within a year. Guarantee yep. it. Yep. So in understanding that transition and the, the rules and how they're changing, then all of a sudden somebody goes, okay, the rules are different. So why are the rules different? Well, like I just told you, <laughs> you know, the, that issue that you were having when you think that nobody can do it the way you do or that your clients need you doing it this exact way, that's all ego, dude. Like there, there is nothing more to that than ego because it's not true. You don't go to Walmart expecting the owners to deliver your service ever. In fact, I don't know if anybody's ever seen them. <laughs> Maybe they're imaginary. We've heard about them, but they're just stories, right? And then you trickle down to every other business. It's not about they need to do business for me. It's about how do you do business and how do you replicate how you do business so that every time I go into a Domino's pizza, I can expect the same quality pizza, this, the same quality food with the same structure of sausages that every other Domino's has ever had. We want that repeatability. The issue is, now let's back up the bus a bit, there's four stages of business. One is that startup stage where everything is me experimenting and seeing what works. And I have this idea and I think these are the people that are going to buy it from me. And it doesn't always turn out that way, right? Sometimes I go out and go, hey, this would be perfect for stay-at-home moms. And then meanwhile, 15-year-old girls are buying it off the shelf. So we, we need to have that spaghetti stage where we're throwing stuff up against the wall. And then we get into the growth stage where we start to realize, hey, I have, you know, five or 10 people buying this and they fit that demographic. What if we went after them? Now, you may have a lot more data than that, which is awesome, but you can start small. So then you get into the growth phase where you're just focused on that audience and selling to them. So now we change the messaging from stay-at-home moms to 15-year-old girls, and we start to change the colors up and stuff and make it more attractive to 15-year-old girls. Now we're selling like gangbusters. This is awesome. This is when most entrepreneurs get bored out of their mind because they're like, oh, same shit every day. Really? Do I have to do that? <laughs> I'm so sick of dealing with these people. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and it's profitable. So get somebody in to deal with customer service and doing all the stuff you don't like to do so that you can become profitable and this becomes machine. Once this becomes a machine and we start stripping off all the excess, now we can get into scaling because now I have a predictable sales process that I can either hire more salespeople, I can do affiliate marketing with them, I can do Facebook ads until the cows come home because now the Facebook ads work. I know predictably I can throw $10 at it and I get $20 back. Awesome. Do that all day long. And then it gets to a point where you get the attention of enterprise and you're like, okay, how do I position this for sale? Because just because it's creating phenomenal income for you doesn't mean it's a sellable commodity or that somebody wants to buy it the way it is. And then we got to look at whatever changes come into that phase. So I think it's important to identify which stage your business is at. Because again, the mindset of what's going on in those phases is totally different. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was a very in-depth answer. We go through a journey in our life. And, and I'm, I'm thinking through an example of an entrepreneur who said this to me recently. Nobody can do it the way I can. Mm-hmm. And that person was a great producer themselves, but never even transitioned. And maybe transitioned to a little bit of management. Sorry. They transitioned to a little bit of management. And maybe they were a good manager. But now they're the owner of their business and now all the pressure is on them and they are still back in their producer mindset and the rules have changed along their journey, like you said, and they haven't adapted. So got all that. Fantastic. The entrepreneurs figured this out. They're no longer saying nobody could do it the way I do. They got the right mindset. They got things figured out. They're scaling and then they have an enterprise business. Uh, And when I started my business in my strategic session with you, I outlined, you know, point A is I have a startup and point B or point Z is I would like to exit my business when I get it to the enterprise stage. And you mentioned earlier in the conversation, a little tidbit about, you know, then you, you know, once you get out of that loop of strategy, system, support mindset, you may want to exit the business. That's a different conversation. Maybe we'll talk about that later. It's now later. I want to exit my business. How do you help entrepreneurs with that? And what do you recommend at that particular stage? Well, you want to start looking at what is your um, your goodwill of your company? So your goodwill of your company isn't just the assets that you have, your hard assets, whether it's a building you own or the equipment within it. Your goodwill starts with who your leads are, where they're coming from, are they predictable, and where do those names and uh, connections go into? So typically, if you have somebody who's a... Um, a Facebook influencer, say, and they have a ton of following. That is not a a goodwill commodity. But if they take them and put them into their their CRM and they own that name and email address and they're connecting with them and that connection is there with their clients, then it is a sellable commodity. Now, if we're looking at a more of a bricks and mortar or or a, um, let's say, manufacturing kind of company, Right, the things that the buyers are going to look for is, is your system in a position where we can uh, manufacture it in different states? Can we reproduce it? Do we need to have it only here? Could we build it in order to accommodate for whatever it is that we're building? So say hypothetically that somebody like, I don't know, Google decides to look at your stuff and go, wow, we need to buy a chair manufacturing company because we are going through a lot of chairs and this is just stupid. So are they going to use that division that you've built to be able to do it? Or did you create a uh, a national 
manufacturing companies so that there's manufacturers in every state? And is there ways for Google to be able to clean up kind of the the processes that are in place and make it more efficient for them so right. that they have access to the chairs whenever they need it? Got it. Right. So it's selling your business, depending on what you have, depends on how it becomes a commodity for somebody else. Right. Odds are they're going to use it as a division of their company, but they may use it as kind of their promotion field, as their lead ins for other divisions. They may use it as um, cultural diversity in another country that they haven't gone into yet. And they want to use that as a model to be able to then bring their manufacturing in. All of these things contribute to to what changes have to be made at that stage. And you don't know what those are going to be until you get there, right? You don't know if Google's going to want to buy you or Microsoft is. And, you know, they may have different needs or wants from you at that point in time. Well, chances are, if either of them are buying me, I'm in pretty good shape. Exactly. Uh, but um, <laughs> really what we're talking about here is the ability to maximize your exit value by really strategically thinking through who the buyer is. And I think that the example of Dave's Plumbing is a really good example. There are way too many entrepreneurs who start their companies, don't strategically know where they ultimately want to be, and don't think about who the buyer is. And I think that part of the problem, I think it's uh, Rich, you remember Callum Lang? Uh, he was one of our early podcast guests. He, he would ask this question, who is your customer? And nine times out of 10, maybe 10 times out of 10, the entrepreneur would say, well, it's Mr. and Mrs. Jones that buy my product. And he's like, nope. The customer is the person who's going to buy your company. That's the customer. Start with that. What do they want? And then work your way down to your B customer or you know, person who's creating revenue uh, in your current business and, and not, maybe not a B customer, but you know, an important customer as well. But you know, then you got to present your business for them as well. But you always have to be thinking about the end in mind. And the stuff you're talking about is really good stuff to be thinking about strategically as you're forming your company. Well, and it does come down to when you're thinking about selling your company and knowing who you're going to sell it to, even if it's Dave's plumbing, am I going to sell it to my brother? Am I going to sell it to my son? Am I going to sell it to the staff? Yep. Am I going to sell it to my competition? All right, somebody, all of those are possibilities. And you can see pretty clearly, pretty quickly that all four of those are going to need to have some tweaks in place in order to adjust for, for whatever that is. Michelle, earlier you said that you used to help people through coaching and now you send them the books. What are the most recommended three to five books that you've been finding yourself suggesting entrepreneurs read? Well, they got to read the Bible of business, of course, which in my humble opinion is think and grow rich, especially when it comes to mindset. They have to take that over. Uh, the Science of Getting Rich was also a fantastic one and understanding kind of the ups and downs, the curves of nature and how if we think in accordance to the natural laws that success becomes inevitable. Fantastic book if you haven't read that one already. And a simple understanding of, of moving through that technician and business owner mindset, of course, is the E-Myth or the E-Myth Revisited now and Michael Gerber's book. It's fantastic especially for the mindset for those three. Rich, have you ever nice. heard of uh, Think and Grow Rich being called the Bible of business? No. It's one of our favorite books, but I've never heard that term. 
Oh, I don't oh. know how anybody goes into business without <laughs> knowing it, studying that. it, dog earing it. <laughs> Absolutely. And talk to me about the top two or three biggest issues that you're finding with your clients. And then what's the reading you would pair with that? Awesome. So we offer our clients, especially between 1 million and 20 million in revenue, a a product called the Digital Adoption Roadmap. And what we're doing in that program is going through in depth of what are their systems? How do they run their business? What are their goals, dreams, and aspirations? Who are their clients right now? What are their profit margins on each of their products? How many products they have? Like everything. And going through that and taking a month to disseminate, okay, here's where your highest profit is. Here's where your easiest point of uh, change can be in order to increase your revenue and looking at everything from prospecting through to the sales, through to closing, through to fulfillment, and then creating raving fans. So that can create a lot of things from, and it's as simple as, for example, we had one client, uh, a Floridian company that was a health resort, if you want to put it that way. They had been in business since 1964 and they had never, never with an N, contacted any of their ex-clients to go through the programs again or to tell them about the new things that they had. Now, if you can imagine, they had a database of 180,000 people that they had not contacted again. All we had to do is recon put these people into a database, clean them out, find out which ones are still working, which ones aren't, and and start to promote different services like, hey, it's been a while, and come check this out. We've got a ton of stuff. Because as you can imagine, the difference between how they ran their business in 1964 versus you know 2018 was substantial. So we want to look at things like where is their data? Is it being held in six different places? Can we bring it into one? Can we figure out who needs what access to what data? And then start doing promotions that are pertinent to the people in those positions. So we firmly believe in this word that's become popular lately, um, which is hyper-personalization. Just so I understand, Michelle, is the digital yeah. adoption roadmap a program? Is it a book you complete, like a workbook? What What is it exactly again? It is the opportunity to work with a CIO for okay. a month to figure out what you're actually doing. So it is a ton okay. of meetings. It's a meeting with your teams. And in the end, you get a full report of kind of where the breakdowns are, what the solutions are, what potential opportunities you have, and a game plan for five years of building out your business and your system and how it can work step-by-step. Step. Love that. Okay, great. Uh, and that's certainly something that um, the, the amount of efficiency and cost savings that companies can have by probably one of the ideas on this large roadmap would probably be well worth the time. Um, quick little rapid fire. Uh, I'm just curious. Um, what is one software that you guys like just rely on a lot, whether it be a CRM system or a an efficiency tool software of any kind. We are huge advocates of what is formerly called Infusionsoft and is now called Keep Max Classic. It is kind of sort of like Salesforce's full program, except for it's built for companies that have, you know, from solopreneur to 100 internal employees. 
And depending on the business, they may have external employees and it doesn't include them. Infusionsoft can still keep up with them. And the reason we like it so much is because it's such a robust system that we haven't come across any entrepreneur that can say, hey, can we do this? And Infusionsoft can't do it. Uh, It can do it. And it's integrated, which means that you're not losing data. You're not getting dirty data, which is hugely important as opposed to Frankenware which is kind of, we have this CRM that attaches to this thing that attaches to that thing. And we hope to read life into it and hope it'll live. And unfortunately, every time they get an update, you know, poor Frank's losing an eyeball or an arm and it's not working the way they thought it was. So so quick, quick success story on systems for me. Uh, I could give you a failure story too. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe I'll give you the failure story too. Started a company for 17 year old company and we decided to custom build our own stuff along the way and every year rebuild and all oh, that version's old and we got to rebuild it again and started doing all this stuff. And uh, it was always a dogfight to try and get the system where we wanted to be and cost us tons of money. Company B uh, has been around for 20 some years now. And two years into that company, uh, we set up on salesforce.com. And it was the best thing that company ever did. Everything's integrated in one system 20 years later. I mean, so when you talk about Infusionsoft being kind of like a Salesforce light system where you can actually manipulate it, edit it, you know, API probably the things, change your yep. forms, do whatever you need to do. Never even heard of it before, but Salesforce unfortunately has become cost prohibitive for small companies with their licensing costs and everything else. So so that's really awesome. Uh, and I uh, appreciate you sharing that. that. That could be something that could really help our entrepreneurs. Well, and and I love Salesforce in that years ago when they started, they were affordable to small business and they have put so much money, time and attention into their systems that they have become the name in sales funnels and marketing for enterprise companies. Like they are the go to. There is nothing like them because they've built it right. They've done it right. And the same thing has happened with Infusionsoft is they started with this nugget of, hey, can we send out some emails and grew it? to you know i think at their max they were like mm-hmm. something like 500 employees and you know doing millions of dollars in business to the point where they had to go to <laughs> salesforce and their internal systems because they outgrew their own system yeah. but it itself works phenomenally especially when you have a team looking after it the bane of the entrepreneur's existence is having to go in and figuring out the tech themselves it's like, dude, unless your job, unless your brain works like a technician, that's not your job. That's not your business. Go read the E Myth by Michael yep. Gerber and figure out that that's not your niche, right? If you, odds are pretty good that your game is going out and doing the thing that you sell, and everything else, the bookkeeping, the tech, should all go to people that you know that are fit for that job. Yeah, love that. Michelle, how can people learn more about you and um, and your business and, and your books and everything else? Awesome. Well, we would love it if they go to awarenessstrategies.com. We have a website audit there, which is uh, $500 regularly, but we'll give to the, the gifts of people that listen to this and go and check it out. Uh, it's about a 30, 40 page report, depending on how big your website is. And it gives you all the red lights, yellow lights, and green lights from a browser perspective. So Google right now happens to be the gods of that. That may change. But right now, if you have, if you're doing things against the rules of Google, they will stop you. You will not be seen. They will put up all sorts of fun things saying, don't go to the site. It's dangerous. You want to get rid of those right away. Those are your red flags. Your yellow flags are where they're going, eh, you're not doing so bad. And they'll let some traffic through, but it's really slow and it's not that hot. 
Good news is you probably have some green light things too that are giving you good traffic and it's going through at that point. Yeah, you want to keep your green lights going. You want to fix your red lights right away and you want to prioritize your yellow light in due course. So love to help you with that. After you've done that, you'll get a discovery call with me and I can either explain it to you. We can strategize. We'll have a ton of fun with it. <laughs> awesome. Michelle, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for yourself. having me. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. You're a consumer, you get a job, become a manager, maybe you go commission after that and then you become a business owner. But why did you become a business owner? Why don't you just have a job? And too many businesses and business owners get started because they want to control their own job. Not because they want to exit down the road, they want to basically buy themselves a job where they are the boss of their job. But if they get further down that pathway and they start thinking about exiting their business, they may have certain limitations they put on themselves because their business isn't prepared to exit. And I think that was the point she was trying to make is you have to have a business that's prepared to exit. You can't just wait till the end. Well, one of the things that I picked up that I have highlighted on my notes was in the systems piece of strategy, system, support, and state of mind. And I asked her a follow-up question on it. Was everything where there's an interaction needs a system? I think that's a really intriguing filter to look in the business and see where there are interactions, not just with the customer, but internal interactions where something's getting handed off from one to another. There's an interaction online. There's an interaction or an exchange of information, something going into a file folder, like all of these interactions, I bet if we were to document all the interactions, there are tens of potentially hundreds of interactions that have no system, no strategy. And we're relying on the tribal knowledge of a person and hoping that they don't end up leaving the business because the next person in that seat, it'll take them a long time to onboard and create their own system. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the power of what you know, Michelle is doing with this digital adoption roadmap. Every entrepreneur listening to this conversation does not have perfect systems throughout their entire business. As a matter of fact, they're probably lacking a ton of systems in their in their process. But where do you start? If you implement one system to correct one issue you're dealing with, and you're not looking at a full roadmap of your entire architecture of all the interactions to come up with that system, that may be the wrong decision. So really love the way that they talk through the digital adoption roadmap, how you should be looking at it philosophically from a holistic picture in order to figure out what the best ways to have your systems and what team needs to be there to support it and so on and so forth. And use the word support there. And I know you and I are big believers in getting a team of the right support people around us. I thought it was very astute of her to say the first piece of support or first individual of support she'd recommend for most people as a bookkeeper. Now, she doesn't have a preference for bookkeeping herself, but not many entrepreneurs do. And often it's the executive assistant that people go to first, or it's a salesperson they go to first. I think it's very astute to think bookkeeper first. Let's have clean financials so that I can go interpret them. Well, I think it all covers under the one quote she said, which is eliminate tasks you don't want to do or should not be doing. That speaks to system, that speaks to team, that speaks to mindset. So for me, that fully encompasses this entire conversation because 
if you have the strategy that I'm going to build this business, not so I can do the work, but I'm going to eliminate the tasks that I don't want to do and shouldn't do, and I'm going to be more strategic in this business, I think that is awareness.